it's a fire, I feel it in my bones, in my bones. I feel it in my bones, in my bones, it's a fire, I feel it in my bones, in my bones. Feel it in my bones, in my bones, it's a fire, I feel it in my bones, in my bones. Feel it in my bones, in my bones, it's a fire, I feel it in my bones, in my bones. I must let it out, I must let it out, I must let it out, I must let it out. But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That's Jeremiah 29. I feel it in my bones, in my bones. It's a fire. I feel it in my bones, in my bones. I feel it in my bones, in my bones, it's a fire. I feel it in my bones, in my bones. I must let it out. 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 Your faithfulness is true. Your morning breeze reminding me that your mercies, they are new. They're new every morning, new every morning. As surely as the sun does rise, your faithfulness is true. Your morning breeze reminding me that your mercies, they are new. They're new. We've got a song to sing, 
Jesus' sake, he shed his blood for me. We're saved for Jesus' sake, so that his um, sufferings would not go unrewarded. Uh, welcome this morning, and um, we're going to be singing different songs. Some are very ancient, and some are new. And this morning, I just felt like um, 
I'm tired of whining. It's time to stop whining. <laughs> we have a song to sing, and um, we owe him a morning song. And so if you don't know some of the songs this morning, I'm sure some of you will know. Um, every song will be known by somebody. So uh, I hope you enjoy the variety. He's worthy of every song we could ever sing. <clears throat> Bye. 
trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. You are worthy of it all. Omega, beginning and the end. You're the Savior, Messiah, Redeemer. You are the great I Am. You're Emmanuel, God with us. You are the God who sees and hears.
the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of ten thousand, the honey in the rock, the good shepherd, the pearl of great price, the rock in a weary land, the shelter in the time of storm, Jesus, Jesus. Lord of Lords, 
Also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. We've got a song to If you're able to kneel with me for prayer, will you do so? Lord, we do proclaim that you are the King of kings, that you are the Lord of lords, that you are the bright morning star, the Savior of our souls. There is no darkness in you. And I thank you for this um, bright, sunny morning that um, just reminds us that you're, that the brightness within you is so much even brighter than what we experience in the sunshine. I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to gather here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that as we hear, hear from you, that um, that our hearts would be open and soft before you. And I thank you for Susan. I thank you, Lord, for her willingness to use her gifts, the gifts that you've given her, to honor you, to glorify you, and to encourage us. I just pray, Lord, that as she delivers this word to us this morning, Lord, that that she would keep her eyes fixed and focused on you, the one who has... Um, the one who has called her, the one who has equipped her, the one who, um, who gives her all that she needs to, um, to, to deliver this message this morning to us. And I pray too, Lord, for your shield of protection to be around her, both as she's delivering this word this morning, Lord, but also in the week to come. That no weapon formed against her, Lord, would prosper but the plans and purposes that you have would prosper. So I just pray, Lord, for strength and for courage and for boldness for Susan. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Heidi. Good morning. Welcome to Elizabethtown Mennonite Church. We are a community on a mission to know God, to nurture relationships, and to experience God's transforming power in Elizabethtown and beyond. 
Uh, thank you, Barb and Willie, for just bringing us into um, worship of the Lord, of Jesus, and for the light that goes with that. Thank you. And I also want to point out this beautiful bouquet. I don't know that you can see it well where you're sitting. It looks like flowers, but it's actually flowers made out of leaves that Peggy Warren made and has blessed us with today. So thank you. I love when we have an example of one thing that's turned into a different thing like that. Whether you're here in person today or you're live streaming at home, whether you are worshiping with us at a different time, a later time online, you are welcome here. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? And it came, this week came on the heels of several exhausting months. We've experienced a pandemic and deep political divides. We've watched the brutal killing of George Floyd and the protests calling for racial justice. We've seen civil unrest and a disputed election process. Some days, it feels like the stories of darkness and fearful gloom pile up on each other, whether they're our own stories or the stories of others. I think it's safe to say 2020 has been tough. Collectively, things got pretty disorienting back in March when everything came to a screeching halt. Suddenly, we no longer knew what to expect, who to believe, what to do, or how to best do it. Things we've never had to question, like, will there be toilet paper when I go to the grocery store, suddenly became a question. But then we also found ourselves wrestling with other questions we never imagined, like, will I see my aging parents again? Other things we've never dealt before with, can I go out safely? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? What's it going to mean to others if I do wear a mask? What's it going to mean to others if I don't? We found ourselves isolated, alone, afraid, and angry. And we all know that's just really the tip of the iceberg. So this week, I was thinking about um, the kind of childhood game that we used to play, the one that would involve a blindfold and usually being spun around, so like blind man's bluff or a pinata or a relay or pin the tail on the donkey. And as I was thinking about that, well, let me tell you something. Every time I get up here to preach, I feel like I make another confession to you. So I'm going to confess something to you. I hated those games, and I always cheated. Every single time I would cheat at the blindfold games. I figured out pretty early on that if you scrunched up your face and pretended like your eyes were shut, that you were squinting, once they tied it on, you could relax your face, and you'd have a little margin to be able to see. Either you could see your feet, or maybe you could see like fuzzy on the wall that donkey you were going for, or maybe just a little bit of light. I never did it to win. I always made sure my donkey tail wasn't ridiculous, but it was not close, or my swing was close, but it wasn't the killer hit on the pinata. But I cheated because I could not stand not seeing. I couldn't stand the darkness. I couldn't stand not knowing where I was and not being able to know or see what I was going to do next. I still don't like to be blindfolded and I don't like to be disoriented. It's distressing. Darkness is often very distressing. And I was thinking this year has been like a collective game of blind man's bluff, where we're blindfolded and we're spinning and we're not quite sure which way is up. But while we may be able to cheat in a blindfold game, the truth is in life, we can find ourselves thrust into disorientation and darkness at any moment. It doesn't take a pandemic. And rarely do we experience these times together as a group like we have. These things may come in the form of a job loss or a diagnosis 
a failed relationship, disappointment with others and disappointment with ourselves, maybe chronic health issues or a death, mental health struggles, either our own or those of people we love. These things disorient us, and they can make us feel that we're living in the dark. And then there's another kind of darkness, too, that we can live with, that of our own blind spots. Those places where we neglect to check in with ourselves, perhaps we don't even know that they exist, but which can end up fueling our emotions and actions, even when we don't realize it. And so we come together today knowing or having known the weight of darkness, of fear, of anger, of isolation. And we believe and we say we know Jesus. All we need is Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we in the church do. But today I have a question, and that is how well do we know Jesus? And how much time are we spending with Jesus? I ask this question because the answer has been well reflected on how we're living We, in the church, and I'm talking the big church, not just our church, we're not always looking very different from the culture around us, outside of the church. And why is that? And what can we do about it? We're going to come back to those questions in just a bit, because there is hope. We know it. We proclaim it today. We want to live out the message that we've got good news of a great joy. So that's where we're going to start. We are going to start by reflecting on the name of Jesus, the bright morning star, which comes from Revelation 22:16. But we're going to start in the Old Testament in Isaiah 8 and 9. So if you want to turn there, let me give you some context to what's happening at this time in Isaiah. King Ahaz sits on the throne of Judah, and things do not look good for him at all. In 2 Kings 16, we're told that Ahaz defied God, and now he's under attack from all sides. Things were so bad, in fact, that Isaiah chapter 7 tells us that the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Things are pretty severe. It's under attack, Syria, Assyria is breathing down the throats of, of them. And the Lord sends Isaiah to Ahaz to offer him a sign that God will keep his promise to save Judah in its line of kings. But Ahaz refuses to ask for it. Instead, he set on the disastrous course of asking Assyria for rescue instead of God. So then Isaiah offers him a different sign, a child called God with us. And we kind of breathe a collective sigh of relief, right? Okay, here comes the rescue. But in the immediate moment for Judah, God with us meant judgment. It's only in the longer term that it's going to mean blessing. So today I'm going to begin reading, starting chapter 8, verse 19. In my Bible, in my Bible、um, the heading is The Darkness Turns to Light. And as I begin to read, I want you to think about not just the situation that they found themselves in then. I'd like you to think about the parallels you might see to today and the climate we live in today. So, Isaiah 8, starting at chapter 19, sorry, chapter 8, starting at verse 19. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. 
Then they will look forward, sorry, they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. I'm going to pause there for a second. How much How many of us have looked around the earth, around the world in the past week or the past months, and we see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom? I'm going to pick up reading again at 9, chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah gave us a prophecy that a child would be born. Jesus himself tells us that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy throughout the Gospels. And then at the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. Jesus is that great light in the darkness that Isaiah prophesied about. We don't need to be a people who look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom as those who have no knowledge of the light of dawn know, as a people who have seen a great light, as a people who know and acknowledge Jesus is the fulfillment of the bright morning star, we recognize that the yoke that burdens us, the bar across our shoulders, the rod of our oppressors has already been shattered because Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. That is truly good news of great joy. It's one we proclaim When things are going well, we find it much harder when things are hard and when life is a struggle. So let's go back to that question I found myself with this week. Why does the church often look so much like the culture around us? And I ask this question, does what we do, what we say, so much of maybe what we're posting on social media look like a people living in distress and darkness and fearful gloom? Or does it look like a people who are really and truly living in the light? Is what we are feeling on a daily basis reflecting that light? And I want you to know I'm not talking about feelings. Being angry or mad or scared, those are real emotions. I'm talking about when they don't go away, when we don't acknowledge them and deal with them and figure out what's causing them. But when we are motivated by those things, are we truly living in the light? So we know God's part is once and done. He sent Jesus, right? He doesn't have to keep sending Jesus to die on the cross and resurrect him. That is done. He he is the victor over death. But what do we need to do differently? I'm going to tell you we need to spend more time in that light 
in the light of Jesus. It's an ongoing process. It's a daily discipline. To live like people who have seen this great light, like people who want to bring others into the great light. We must choose a daily presence in that great light, in that bright morning star first and foremost. Because we can know all about somebody. We can know every interesting fact or thing about somebody, but if we don't spend time with them, we don't really know them, right? Do they really impact our lives until we're in a relationship? We have to spend time with them. So what does it look like to spend time daily in the presence of Jesus? So many opportunities. If you're like me, for many years, I'm like, oh, I'd be going to bed. I failed it again. You know, I had this idea. I had this ideal of what it looks like, what I'm going to do, and I didn't get to it. I must have failed. And I just want to encourage you, there are so many different ways to spend time with Jesus. But it needs to be intentional. We can spend time in Scripture And here's a challenge for you. Consider what you know about Jesus. Think about where you know it from. Write all those things down, then track them down. Find scripture to back them up. And I challenge this because I find myself sometimes saying, oh, well, the Bible says, or the, and I'm like, wait a second. Where in the Bible does it say that? Do I know what the Bible says? Do I know about Jesus from scripture? Read the gospels, read the prophecies, read the letters, Write down everything you find out about Jesus. Make sure you read scripture. Devotionals are great, but if our time is spent on page after page of stories and anecdotes and other things, and there's one verse at the bottom, we're going to have a hard time knowing Jesus. One verse rarely makes for a relationship. So spend time in scripture. Spend time in solitude. We are not, as a people, very good at sitting in solitude, sitting alone. But I encourage you to spend time with Jesus in prayer, in meditation on scripture. Worship him when it's just the two of you. Bring questions for him. Be bold. Ask him to give you an image. In what ways are you wandering in darkness? How does that situation look bathed in the light of the bright morning star? And this is a tough one. Ask Jesus to reveal your blind spots to you. Ask him him to cover with your... Ask him to cover you with his grace and mercy as you sit with these things. He is not blind to any single part of us. He knows it all, and he desires healthy transformation for us. It can be painful, but he will reveal these areas to you and what to do about them. Spend time listening for Jesus' voice. Bring situations to Christ, especially the ones you have strong emotions about. Ask him, Jesus, what do you say about this situation? What do you say about my emotions about it? Where are you leading me? Where is the hope and the hopelessness? What are you asking me to do? What scripture do you give me that applies to this? This past spring, I heard a really life-changing quote by Dr. Harriet Lerner. She's a psychologist. I don't even know if she's a Christian, but this quote has really helped me to think differently. She said in referring to other people, if only we would listen with the same passion we have to be heard. Did you catch that? If only we listen with that same passion we have to be heard. What if we bring that into our time with Jesus? What would that look like? If you're like me, sometimes you come into prayer time and you just you want to talk and talk and talk and talk. But what if we listen to him with that same passion? 
Spend time discerning with others around Christ. As you've heard us talk about a lot of times, board discernment, ministry, dis- ministry team discernment, these things happen by placing the crown in the middle and acknowledging the presence of Jesus with us. It makes a lot of difference. You can discern with an accountability partner, Sunday school classes, small groups. Invite Jesus into your conversations with others. And if you're talking with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, it's okay to invite him in, not even out loud. But as you approach a situation that is uncomfortable or is awkward that you have strong emotions about, say, Jesus, just, just come into this situation in this conversation. Spend time testifying. Tell others about how you are experiencing transformation through Jesus. Tell others the stories of how you were walking in darkness and saw a great light. Encourage others with sharing scripture and images that he gives you. Testify to your own areas of brokenness and how Jesus meets you there. And remember, Jesus, that bright morning star, did not just come for me and for you inside the church building, inside these church walls. He came because God so loved the world. He came so that none would perish who acknowledge him and accept him and know he is Lord and Savior. So check yourself when you start dismissing people that he has created as as the other or the unlovable or the evangelical or the socialist or the whatever, they are an image bearer of God too. We have hope in a hopeless world. And through Christ in us, we are hope in our hopeless world. So let's say... You start doing these things more. Will you experience a Damascus Road kind of experience? Maybe you could. Um, But most likely you'll begin to see a shift in how you see Jesus, how you see yourself, and how you see those around you. Because the more time we spend sitting in the presence of Jesus, in the light of the bright morning star, the more impossible it will become to see the other as less than the image bearer of God to use language and narratives steeped in they and them, be more impossible to feel perceived threats to our own security. Because when we sit with Jesus, it's harder to perpetuate or stay quiet when you see and you hear injustice towards others, or to believe that you have all the answers, or to be satisfied with a shallow understanding of Jesus or yourself or others. When we spend focused time deepening your relationship with Jesus, your perspective will move away from having a mentality of us and them division, and from looking and sounding like the culture around us. And we will stop isolating ourselves in an echo chamber of people who think just like we do. Because to truly know Jesus means we will stop fighting to maintain our own comfort and instead serve our neighbors. We'll stop throwing our support behind anything that maintains the status quo or makes my life easier without considering what it might mean to somebody else who's marginalized. We will stop automatically protecting what is mine and ours, as if the king we serve was not the most abundant king. He is not a king of scarcity, but he is a king of abundance. When we turn our eyes fully upon Jesus, the bright morning star, we begin to naturally reflect his light. Many of us know the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It is a very meaningful song. And this week I was reading up about the origin of it. The song itself was written by Helen Howarth Lemmel in 1922. 
There's a lot of stuff I didn't know. She based it on a tract written by Lilius Trotter. So Lilius Trotter was born in the mid-1800s to a well-to-do family. She was very gifted artistically, she was a writer, but she felt the strong call on her life to become a missionary. She couldn't find a mission board to send her. She felt called to Algeria. So what she did do was have her own support because she was well-to-do and found two other women who would go with her, and they moved to Algeria. They didn't know Arabic. They didn't know the culture. They didn't know anything except for the call that God had called them there. And Lilius Trotter did a lot of writing, a lot of drawing, a lot of different things, but she knew what it was like to bask in the great light of Jesus. She knew what it was like to not know how to do things and have to rely fully on God. And so today I want to share a little bit of this tract that she wrote that that, that hymn is written about, or was taken from and written. And it's from A Story and a Song by Lilia Strotter. And I'll just read part of it for you. It was in a little wood in the early morning. The sun was climbing behind a steep cliff in the east, and its light was flooding nearer and nearer, and then making pools among the trees. Suddenly, from a dark corner of purple-brown stems in dawny moss, there shone out a great golden star. It was just a dandelion, and it was half-withered, but it was full-faced to the sun, and caught into its heart all the glory it could hold. It was shining so radiantly that the dew that lay on it still made a perfect aureole around its head. And it seemed to talk, standing there, to talk about the possibility of making the very best of these lives of ours. For if the sun of righteousness has risen upon our hearts, there is an ocean of grace and love and power lying all around us, an ocean to which all earthly light is but a drop, and it is ready to transfigure us as the sunshine transfigured the dandelion and on the same condition that we stand full face to God. She continues to write, and she goes on to reflect on what happens when we do that, when we focus on Jesus. And she writes, Will it not make life narrow, this focusing? In a sense, it will. Just as the mountain path grows narrower, for it matters more and more the higher we go, where we set our feet, but there is always, as it narrows, a wider and wider outlook and pure, clearer air. Air, excuse me. Narrow as Christ's life was narrow, this is our aim. Narrow as regards self-seeking, broad as the love of God to all around. Is there anything to fear in that? Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look and look at him, and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. So today, I just challenge us to look and look at him to turn your full soul's vision to Jesus and sit in that strange dimness that will come over all that is apart from him. Let's pray. God, we just come before you and we say thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you that what is good and true and faithful comes from you. I just praise you because you are a faithful God. You will never leave us nor abandon us and you don't let us down. Your promises are true, and your mercies are new every morning. So, Lord, I ask that you would just move in us, that you would um, encourage us 
to encourage each other, to just bring everything before you, to look and to look at you with that bright morning star. Thank you for your prophecies in Isaiah, and I thank you for Jesus as the fulfillment, as the bright morning star. Amen. you see. There's light for the look at the Savior, and life more abundantly. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful Good morning. God is good. I just wanted to highlight a few things that were in the bulletin. The first one is about Gator Camp. How would you like to do something different for a week? Get away for a week. Enjoy warmer weather. Do some service and have an enriching time at Gator Camp. I believe you would enjoy it and be blessed yourself. The dates are January the 24th to the 31st. And we would like to know pretty shortly because right now the tickets are pretty cheap and they are starting to go up a little bit. 
So if you have any questions at all, see me. And then the other thing is about the winter shelter. They're really looking for volunteers this year. They need about 200 volunteers to make uh, the winter shelter happen. And this year, because of COVID, there's a lot less people volunteering. And the good news is uh, St. Luke's offered their church for the winter shelter because where the winter shelter was, it was really crammed, so there'll be a lot more space there. So it starts on December the 7th, and if you have any questions at all, ask me. And then the third thing I would like to say is uh, we are all ministers, and I would encourage all of you to do some outreach, some acts of kindness. People are really hurting because of COVID. God calls us to reach out to those that are hurting and those that are in need. So I would encourage you in the next two weeks to do some acts of kindness. You can do it as a family or individually. You can send a note to someone. Children can really help with this. Maybe you know of someone that needs their leaves raked. Maybe a phone call. Maybe take a box of goodies to someone. Or do something nice to that person that irritates you. Uh, yeah, also, I, I don't want you to do this out of uh, that you have to or that you should. I'd like you to do it out of joy, out of love, out of God's love for us. to do really nice things to you this week, you might think, have I been irritating to them? <laughs> uh, let's stand for the blessing and for the prayer. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for coming at a different time. Um, we do have good news of a great joy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the way we can come before you knowing that you are good. I ask today, Lord, that may we, a people who have walked in darkness, may we turn our soul's vision on the great light of you, Jesus, the bright morning star. May we look and look at you, and may we be transformed by you. May we choose a daily presence in the great light of you, Jesus, and may we know you so well that we live like people who have seen this great light, and may we bring others into the light. We thank you for creating us in the manner that you have. And we thank you for bringing us through this time and space to this moment now, and we say thank you. So may we go with the blessing of Christ upon us. Amen. You are dismissed for Sunday school.